our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. up everybody it's me vaughn from the quote-unquote editing room really i'm always in this room uh so i wanted to tell everyone real quick a quick disclaimer seemingly as i went to go edit this week's episode's audio i realized that it seems like due to some technical difficulties uh the biggest of average josh boys's audio was recorded instead of with his mic with the mic on his webcam i'm assuming um we had some difficulties before recording the podcast and it seems like the recording software we used instead of using the mic it said it was it instead used his uh, desktop mic or possibly his webcam mic so his audio is pretty rough in this episode i'm still going to release it uh because we refuse to go a week without putting out an episode of IndiePod. i'm so sorry for the quality uh we will do better next week but of course please And thank you uh, for continuing to listen to this episode. And I hope everyone has an amazing day. Hello and welcome to IndiePod, an Indie Games podcast, your weekly source for all the Indie Games news you need to know. This week, we're bringing you three awesome Indie Games news stories before we, of course, jump into News Cram, where we have many, many more, and uh, hop over to Kickstarter for two actual segments, or at least two games in God Bless the Crowd, uh, that we are going to talk about. We don't have any listener questions today, but that doesn't mean that this is going to be a jam-packed episode. (laughs) Um, but before we get into any of that, I'd like to introduce myself, Von Hyde, alongside my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average, Josh Boys. How you doing today, big Josh Boy? Uh, I mean, I'm hanging in there. I'm doing better than others. There's a lot going on in the world right now. Yeah, so that actually leads perfectly, uh, which I'm pretty sure you did on purpose, uh, mm-hmm. to something that I want to talk about really quickly at the beginning of this podcast. So... I also talked about this on Go Beyond, um, that I am not a well-versed person when it comes to political issues, um, and that I'm kind of an idiot. And so I don't believe, (laughs) yeah, I, I don't believe that my opinion on anything that's happening in the United States with the protests really makes any sense to give, um, mostly because like I'm super ignorant when it comes to 90% of stuff. So instead, what I want to do is direct you guys, uh, direct everyone to two different podcast episodes that I listened to at, uh, today, the day of recording. I listened to them today and I found them very informative, uh, about the protests and the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's going on within the United States right now. Obviously, they didn't really hit on, like, COVID-19 because that's still a shit show. But I want to send you... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I'm going to send you to two different podcasts. One, um, I'm going to include these links down below to these episodes. But we've got the latest episode of the Kind of Funny podcast. Um, they It was, of course, like your standard lineup of Greg Miller. Uh, you had Nick Scarpino, Tim Geddes, um, Andy Cortez, and they had Blessing on, um, which was really nice because Blessing Audio Ye Jr. is exceptionally well-informed. Um, and I very much enjoyed hearing his takes on everything that's happening. And then you also had Spawn on Me, where they had a plethora of hosts to talk about this issue as well. Their most recent episode also included Blessing Audio Ye Jr. Very, very good. Um, I very much enjoyed both of them, and I'm going to link those down below. But also, I have to ask you something. All right. And I... I feel bad bringing it up now because I find it so funny. Did you see Dan Stapleton totally get bodied on Twitter by Blessing? Oh, yeah, that was rough. <laughs> that was so funny. I laughed so hard about it just because of the irony of what exactly happened. And then I love... And I'm not I, I'm not saying anything about Dan Stapleton. It was literally just a really funny moment. Um, yeah. Is that he... he yeah, and then he deleted it. He was like... I obviously stepped in something with the way I worded that. Not what I meant to do. And I was like, probably not. Uh, Because if you guys don't know, basically what he said was that uh, they want to hire minorities. Basically, they want to hire and really uh, do their best to um, platform like minority voices in the gaming community at IGN. But what he said was uh, along those lines and then said, but you have to apply basically making it seem like they hadn't like anybody within minority groups hadn't. And then blessing of course, quote tweeted it and said he applied to IGN multiple times and (laughs) nobody just contacted him. Yeah. I I mean, it's tough, right? Because like, there's, there's part of that that's obviously true that there are minorities that are applying, but there's also, there are, you know, minorities in ID, and I'm sure there could be more, um, but it's like, it's just the way you word it, like, phrasing things is so important, especially when millions of people can view it and have their own perspective and take it however they, you know, perceive it. Yeah, I... It, it was very unfortunate the way he worded it, but I do not necessarily believe anything bad about Dan Stapleton. I don't, I don't really, I don't know him personally, and um, I know that he is like the uh, executive reviews editor at IGN, and that's basically the extent of my knowledge. Not only am I ignorant to everything on earth, uh, but also Dan Stapleton uh, knowledge. So there you go, covers it. Um, so make sure you look down in the description of this episode if you're listening to this and check out those two uh different podcasts those two different episodes they cover everything very very well um and i feel like it was very succinct so and obviously i think it goes like i i don't necessarily think it needs to be said but just in case um i i think both of us can agree that racism has absolutely no place in any society on earth let alone like america which might be a weird way to say that but considering like we're the land of the free and home of the brave or whatever. However, ironic that saying was way back when um, it's kind of fucked up now that everything is happening. So I think that goes without like, it it doesn't need to be said, but I figured I'd say it anyway. Um, So let's get into my normal bullshit today. I did something at work that I need to tell you about because I want to just inform everyone once again, that I'm a garbage human being. And it's that, 
Today, have you ever had the, like, they're really delicious. It's the Starbursts, but they aren't individually wrapped. They're just like a little piece of candy. No, are they Starbursts? Yeah, they're just Starbursts, but instead of, like, them being wrapped, they're just, like, smaller pieces, like, in squares, and they're just in a larger bag. It's kind of like like how you'd buy, like, M&Ms, okay? You've got, like, Starbursts, and they're all in there. You just shake them into your mouth. No, I, I didn't even know it was a thing. I don't know anything about candy. So. Man, dude, get educated, okay? We're talking about, jeez, talking about ignorance over here. I'm not knowing Starburst. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's like basically just Starburst unwrapped. They're smaller versions of your standard Starbursts that don't have any wrapping, so you can just eat them like handfuls, like a bear or like me. Um huh. So what I did at work today was like where I work, they also own a vending company. So they like um, a lot of stuff is coming back because of like it being technically like quote unquote expired, but really it's just past the sell by date. Mm -hmm. Um, So they bring a lot of it back and they just give it to us because they don't do a whole lot else with it. I think they donate a certain portion of it, um, which is also nice, but I picked up one of these Starburst things. It's like, oh, sweet. Picked up some sodas and everything. And I put some stuff in my backpack and I went to go leave. And I was like, you know what? I'm feeling a little snack. So I'm going to snack on these little bit of Starburst because I'm a fat boy. And I open up these Starburst and I start eating them. I'm like pouring them in my hand because I'm not a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, on the way home, I was pouring them directly into my mouth because they're delicious. But wow. so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So I go to pour some in my hand, and mind you, I work in a warehouse, so this place is, like, straight-up disgusting. Just Like I said, this just proves I'm a garbage person. And I poured some on my hand, but then, like, two fell out of the bag, and it was, like, a red one and a pink one. And if you know Starburst, you know... You can't get rid of the pink one. You gotta pick that shit up. It's the fucking best. So it hit the ground, and I look down, and I look over, and my coworker looks at me. And I, like, stared him directly in the eye, and I picked him up, and I went, no, I blew him off, and then I said, it's corona time, and I ate him. And he was like, that was the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen. Uh, Well, I'm glad you ate it. My my opinion of that, and you said it, because I thought you were just going to not say anything, just stare at him. Well, eat him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, dude, you had to add, like, I, I straight up, I was like, it's corona time, and then I ate it, and I was like, if there's any place on earth that's going to give me the coronavirus, it's this one, because we, disgusting. So, yeah, I had to I had to make sure that I let him know that I knew I was endangering my own life, and possibly the lives of others. Well, that's nice. Yeah, we'll, nah. We'll see in two weeks how you're feeling. Just a bigger piece of shit, I told you. Like, whatever. <laughs> It's obviously a joke, by the way. Just letting you know. Well, it was. I actually ate that, thing. but it was not like no. I actually did that, but the coronavirus thing was obviously a joke. Uh, so, <laughs> this is an indie games podcast, and Josh, you have been playing an indie game called Shantae and the Seven Sirens by Way Forward. How is that going? Is there like, I mean, let's be honest. If there's a waifu in indie games, it's Shantae. So. What's up, everyone? As you might have known if you heard episode 85, my audio was a little messed up. Uh, Unfortunately, the audio picked up on the wrong microphone, and so it sounded kind of like I was underwater, which sucks. But um, I know for those fans who are disappointed about the episode, once again, uh, I really apologize about that. But uh, because of the fact that we actually got a code from the developers of Shantae and the Seven Sirens, 
I wanted to do them justice and actually give them a a better review that wasn't just garbled. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the points that I had mentioned on the podcast. Uh, Shantae and the Seven Sirens is the fifth in the series of this game. So if you're not familiar with the Shantae series, these are excellent games. They're awesome platformers, awesome Metroidvanias. One of the things I talked about is they're always just uh, you know, straight eight to nine out of 10 type of games. There's something where they're not anything that breaks the mold as far as like mind bending when you think of Metroidvanias, but they do everything well. They do everything just how you would want it from a cutesy platformer and, uh, you know, backtracking Metroidvania. One of my favorite things about this game is they really push you to think on your feet and to be very attentive with what's happening in the world around you and what each person is saying in each of these towns. You are rewarded for actually talking to all of those individuals because you get the most random of things during this game. So there might be a piece of toast on the floor and you have to pick it up and you have to take it to a certain person who gives you another item that you have to then remember to go to a specific area to fix something that you had with that. And it's all these little things where it's, it's very clever and, and just as many Metroidvanias has, you have those tropes of going to an area and seeing oh, if only I could break this wall down, but I don't know how to do it. And then getting an ability later and being like, oh, I can go back and get any of those collectibles or any of those different you know, sections that I wanted to run to. That's how you would get through that. And I, I love that ability of, of, you know, realizing, okay, I get to explore and have that feeling of accomplishment when you figure something out and know exactly where to go because, oh, that's right, I remember this one thing. Like That's a great part about Metroidvanias, and I think Shantae and the Seven Sirens, as well as the other Shantae games, do this in, in an excellent way. Now, um, for those that don't know what the actual background of this game is, this is Shantae going on vacation. She had been uh, invited to this half genie ceremony where they're they're giving a, a, a giant celebration of festival type of deal, and they're saying, "Oh, all these half genies, come come forward and and put on a, a show for the people, and we're gonna commemorate you uh, for everything that half genies are." You know, I don't I don't know exactly how the the lore works of why everyone knows about half genies, but regardless, it's it's supposed to be this fun time. And then all of a sudden, all of the half genies are captured except for you. And so it's your job to go through this uh, this world, this island that you're on, this uh, which you find out later is is kind of a cursed island, but that's fine. Um, but you basically go through, try to find those different half genies, then getting their powers. And this is this is one of the things that we talked about on the podcast that I thought was hilarious. Is that you basically rescue these half genies and then they go, cool, here's my powers. You do all the work. And I was like, what the fuck? Come on now. Well, aren't you supposed to be a half genie too? Like, why don't you put in some work? But that being said, obviously it wouldn't make as much sense if you just then took a break and you're like, okay, watch the other genie do something. 
but it would be interesting if you could play as those other genies. Like, I think that could have been a clever way of going around it, but obviously that would take much more of a, a development stance because you have to design each different character and how they play out. So I, I get that. Um, if you're familiar with the series, speaking of the actual gameplay to it, it is very similar in, you know, you have your, your basic hair whip attack. You have in the item shop, a number of abilities that you can buy and upgrade your character. Um, one of the things that I talked uh, on the podcast about that I really enjoy is the accessibility factor to this game. So, just like in the other Shantae's, if you're a veteran to the series and you want a challenge, you can go ahead and do that by choosing to not upgrade your character, by choosing to not upgrade the health capacity that you have because you're you're constantly collecting these squid hearts, which you can then cha- uh, transform into actual health containers. If you want, from a, a challenge perspective, you could choose not to do that at all which is super great because there's no difficulty in this game as far as like, oh, I want to pick the easium, the hard, the the whatever it is when you first start the game. There's just the normal difficulty. It is what it is. But if you want an easier time, hey, go for the upgrades. You know, get as many heart, uh, heart squids as you can so you can get more heart containers. Buy the items that make you stronger from the shop, that make you do more damage or attack faster. Buy those different abilities. So it's it's all based on what you want to do and how your, um, your comfort level with these type of games or just the way you enjoy playing, which I really uh, thought was a great point and always has been in the Shantae series. One of the things, and I have to look this up, but um, one of the things that I did enjoy that I'm not sure if they did in the other, I don't remember in previous games, they have monster cards that now drop from the different enemies that you're killing. So in addition to the game that just to that accessibility point that I really enjoyed was as you're fighting monsters, there's a percentage chance that a card's going to drop from them. And it's a card that will just get you almost like a scrapbook of the image of those enemies inside your scrapbook. It's like a card section in your your menu. Now, why that, that's useful is because as you're playing the game and as you're collecting those cards, when you get a certain number of cards per that enemy type, you'll unlock an ability. And you can always put three different abilities and wear those from the monster cards. And they might be something simple such as you just do more damage. Or it might be something like, oh, you can throw the boomerang farther or you can shoot missiles and it won't cost as much of your mana pool you can uh climb up walls faster so it all depends on really what like i said from an accessibility level what you want some some people might just enjoy the fact that they go through the game a little bit faster i can climb up walls and not have to you know take as much time um whereas others might want to put on the one that allows them to uh, collect more gems because they just want to get more money right now because they want to load up, get the upgrades for their character, and then they can put on a different type of uh, ability or monster card upgrade. I really enjoyed it because it, it constantly made me think, and as I was playing and finding out different abilities and, and you know messing with them, I could then also switch up my build and, and hunt for specific monsters and try to get their cards. So it was kind of like RPG grinding in a way of going back and, and trying to fight those enemies to get the cards, which I, I enjoyed. I thought it was a, like a neat little side tangent to the game. It's not something that you really need to do or need to worry about. Once again, if you don't want to put those abilities on, you don't have to. But it's nice to have that there just as an extra layer that is put on top of the game. 
So another main part that I want to talk about, and this is obvious with all Shantae games, is the art style is just so cutesy. I love it so much. You get this Saturday morning cartoon feeling of just these bright colors, these vibrant emotions that are coming from the characters. It Inside the actual gameplay, you can see just Shantae bobbing around, her idle animation is so happy, and then she's attacking, and, and all the, the characters look really goofy. Obviously, as you start getting into the harder areas, you'll get enemies that might look a little bit more menacingly, but a lot of the, the animation to them is obviously done in a cartoon way that makes it almost inviting, even though you're you're being attacked by this giant golem creature or this giant uh, crab with one eye. So there's, there's a lot of interesting elements that really uh, get you into this game, whether you are a an older adult or a kid. This is, once again, to that accessibility range, you could uh, love this game no matter the age, which I really enjoy. And the, the addition of animated cutscenes in between different uh, boss battles or different scenes inside the game was uh, well enjoyed. I, I really like the animation to it. It was uh, obviously a, a different, it was a little bit of a jump from what you're watching when it's in-game content versus the actual animation, kind of more anime style to those cutscenes, but I loved them. I thought they they really fit Shantae. I mean, once again, I think this could be its own cartoon. This could be its own series if they really wanted to go that route. Um, I, I highly doubt that would ever happen, but th that's the thing is like, this could be a kid's show. Um, you can obviously see it. It has that heart. It has that feel to it. And even though there's the obvious dialogue quirks where you're like, it it's kind of cheesy. It works because that's how this world and how this uh, environment is set up to be. So I definitely love, love the visual side of it and just the way that Shantae continues to improve from a, an, a visual quality perspective throughout the series and, and how this game really it, uh, hit the nail on the head, so to speak. There are some issues that I did have with the game. These are more minor, um, but the load times when going to different areas was a little bit uh, annoying, at least for me. Personally, it it just felt a bit too long when I was going from section to section. And, you know, maybe this is a little bit on me of just being impatient and uh, we're going into that phase of next gen where we're supposed to have games that just don't have any load time. So the PS5 and the Xbox Series X uh, claim at this point. But at, at the same time, it was one of those things where in a Metroidvania where you're asked to constantly explore and go to different areas and try to, you know, maneuver your way through uh, just all over through the map because a lot of it is just exploration and trying to find out which way to go and, and constantly moving back and forth between these sections as you're searching for clues and searching for, for those those different sections, it becomes almost a pain when you go to one area maybe on accident and have to wait a few seconds and then you have to go back and wait another few seconds or maybe you know you just don't feel like exploring as much because you're like well I'm going to get stuck on this loading screen and I'd rather just stay in this one area to not explore as much because I don't want to go through that and yes this is nitpicky and yes this is um not going to obviously be a detriment to the game, but it was a small thing that every time it happened, I was always like, oh, damn it, gotta wait here. 
Um, but regardless, that was really my only one nitpick. I, I feel like everything else was done in such a great way. Um, we we talked on the podcast a little bit, which uh, I know obviously the audio quality wasn't great, but Vaughn asked about a couple of questions of how the abilities worked because one of Shantae's main things and one of the, the half-genie hero, uh, or excuse me, the half-genies that were in this world that you find out, they all have their own specific powers. Um, so Shantae's is always about dancing and, and turning into to different animals or different objects and, and having those type of powers from her dances. So in there, they stick with that where you do have these abilities where you can transform into certain animals and you can do certain dances that will either refresh the area, meaning heal. Um, there's there's things where there will be like flower stumps in areas and you can heal those stumps and they'll sometimes give you items or enemies that are turned into statues will then become reborn and will no longer be a statue and you'll have to fight them things like that um but then they also have the animals that you can turn into so vaughn mentioned specifically there was a turtle that you you have the ability to turn into and the one thing is, um, keep in mind, this isn't a game where you're going to be playing as those animals for a majority of the time. You are, for the most part, just going to be Shantae. You're going to have your main abilities, your magic powers, like a, a rocket or your floating uh, scimitars. But um, turning into those animals is more of just a means of progression into the story and progression into a specific area. So what I mean by that is... If you see a body of water, you can't swim in it other than just floating at the top until you save one of the half genies that gives you the ability to turn into a frog. And then you'll be able to swim wherever you please and you'll be able to go down into the water. But you don't actually transform into that frog and then hop around wherever you want. You then are able to only swim as that frog when you press down on the Joy-Con or whatever you're playing on uh, down into the water. So it's it's only specific to that one area, just like with the turtle, um, you can turn into that turtle just to essentially ground slam uh, the or ground pound the, the ground and break certain rocks, or you can hold your attack and charge and you'll start spinning around as the turtle. But the minute you stop that spin action, you then become Shantae again. So just a little bit of, you know, if you're, you're getting this game because you're like, oh man, I, I just want to turn into animals and run around. Like, it's not going to be like that, but I assure you it is still a fun time. It's still great. Um, one of the things we talked about is whether or not this is worth it. As far as the price point, um, keep in mind we did get this for free as uh, a thanks to WayForward for for lending us a copy for review. Um, but if I do think the the thirty dollar price point was worth it, was one of the questions that Vaughn asked me. And to that I say, if you are a fan of the series, yes, wholeheartedly you should pick this up. I think it is. Uh, just where you know Half Genie Hero left off, I think you'll have a great time with it. If you're a fan of platformers and Metroidvanias alike, I think you'll also enjoy this game. I mean, you know, there's there's the whole aesthetic of like it's very cutesy, which some people might be turned off by, but it's still a really deep down fun game, and it it's challenging if you want to not use the upgrades or not use the uh the health ability or the food ability to to upgrade your health so like just play it as difficult as you want it to be i think it can still provide that challenge for for those players who are more veterans to the series or not to the series but to that genre um 
But for those who maybe are just looking to get into their first Metroidvania or their first platformer, they're not really like a huge fan, you know, maybe you wait until it goes on sale. Honestly, I think you would still have a great time. I think this is a good one for people to jump into to really know what a Metroidvania is like because there is a lot of backtracking and trying to figure out, okay, what does what to get me to to point A to point B? But it has that... Um, that factor of of being accessible i know i'm using that word way too much but it really is my favorite part about this game is just how easy it is to jump in uh for new players or for players who want that challenge uh the one thing is you probably want to if you're you're new to this kind of series to look up a guide and and to walk along if if you're you know having trouble just because there are some parts that might be a little uh not as intuitive uh, that being said, I once again, I still think this is worth it. If you're a fan of the series, definitely pick it up. If you're on the fence, you know, maybe wait for a sale. But honestly, I think you'll have a fun time. Uh, thank you, Way For It again for providing us a copy. And sorry again to all of the fans of IndiePod for screwing up the episode with my terrible audio. I hope this makes up for it. I will definitely make sure to check like 50 million times that my microphone is the right microphone before I record next time. All right. Thanks everyone. Yeah. There was also kind of like, I I'm going to get to the games I'm talking about, but uh, I yeah, believe sorry, it was brought up. Oh no, I was, cause I was going to say something. Um, I believe on like sacred symbols, uh, they were talking about it, but, um, it might not have been them. I don't know. Somebody recently brought up on a podcast I was listening to about the possibility of like how weird it might be to develop games for different consoles, like making different ports right. when the PlayStation five is entirely based on like seemingly like really high, like refresh rates and no, mm -hmm. um, no load times. But if the Xbox series X is different how exactly will the load times like compare? Uh, will that be like a big thing for developers to have to worry about? Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of an interesting like little tidbit that I hadn't thought about. Um, but I don't know. I guess we won't know until games actually start to come out, which yeah. I will say I kudos to like Sony and all of these other companies who are pushing back their um like sony pushed back their kind of like large blowout of the playstation 5 to not get in the way of everything that's happening right. so big kudos to them because that was really cool um yeah. and that was so weird when companies don't do that like like uh i think it was saying uh announcing like the, the game gear or whatever it was the, little mini -game gear thing. I was the like, game gear mini i was about to say come on man Weird. <laughs> um, so uh the games that i'm playing i'm gonna really quickly just say uh one by the time that this goes up our giveaway on in existence rebirth should be up and i will be contacting whoever uh won that and of course uh speaking of giveaways the uh, the other game i'm playing other than in existence rebirth is actually if found um by Dreamfeel. we will be giving a copy away of that and i'll do the giveaway the exact same way where i announce it here obviously and then uh the coming like episode it'll give it a week and then i'll announce the winner um so I'm going to talk about In Existence Rebirth for a little bit more right now. Um, I still, I'm, I'm once again going to tell you, I still haven't, I don't believe played enough 
to give a full, like, comprehensive opinion on this video game. I think it has the possibility to be really good. And a lot of different materials that I've seen have actually, like... One, when I delved a little bit deeper into the spellbook, which is still one of my favorite things about this game, is the accessibility of spells because it's really cool. So as long as you have skill points, you can get the spell. It doesn't matter like if it's like a really high-ranked spell or like it's not like an Elder Scrolls game where you can't like it's literally impossible for you to get the invisibility spell until you get like your alteration skill up to a certain point and then it pops up in stores instead like this as long as you have skills other than your traditional metroidvania uh, like spells or skills like a double jump and stuff you can purchase whatever you want so one of my issues was the kind of like it's the seeming lack of healing items but then after playing more I realized that there was a spell that allowed me to recover a certain amount of health. So it's just recovering your health over time. I thought that was awesome. And it doesn't, of course, like take any mana, but I did have to spend skill points on it. So I thought that was cool because in a way that also lends to that kind of like how you were talking about in Shantae, you can use those items or not use them however you want. That kind of adds to the possible difficulty of this game. If I wanted it to be more difficult, I could just not purchase the ability that recoups my health over time. I think that's really cool. And one of my other big like nitpicks, quote unquote, with the game um, was that your dodge is backwards. And I hated that it was like it wasn't a directional dodge where I could like dip through somebody's legs or something like that. But I saw in the Steam, like in the Steam trailer, somebody did it. And I was like, what? how so i think it's possibly another one of the skills that i just hadn't come across um because after playing it for a little while i didn't realize that like i didn't have to wait for so when you pop up in like skill menu everything is just dark with the exception of the ones that you've purchased for the most part and i didn't realize at the time that i could just purchase like other than the normal ones that i have to unlock in the environment like a true metroidvania um Everything else I can just buy. I didn't realize that until playing more of it. So I'm glad I did play more. Um, so it's possible that there is a role skill in there. So I'm going to play more. I'm going to try it out and I'm going to see how it goes. Um, the combat still feels really floaty to me. I don't think it has a lot of weight. Um, I still do have issues with the game, but I'm going to play more just so I get a more succinct opinion on it. I'm... Um, that's that's mostly it oh i also i fought the first boss and i think he's a pain in the ass and <laughs> in, in my opinion i don't think it's exceptionally well designed mostly because it doesn't seem to fit its own attack patterns where like typically it'll take a couple steps and then attack take a couple steps and attack take a couple steps and attack the attacks that it does after those steps will vary depending on like uh it hitting the ground and a spike coming up or it jumping or it kicking or punching you like that varies but typically it would always take a couple steps but there were a couple times where it would take a couple steps and then like hit the ground and a spike would come up i would dodge the spike and then start hitting it and immediately it would just kick me and i'm like what the fuck mm -hmm. you didn't even have like a lag time you just beat the shit out of me mm -hmm. so yeah exactly i just need to get good and like i saw that there was a role and i think that'll help me out a lot so maybe i just need to like level up a couple more times get some more skill points and buy that role ability if it's possible if it's something that i have to unlock later in the game 
I'm going to be super annoyed. I'm going to be honest. It's going to piss me off beyond belief, okay? But I do think it's a, it's a very cool game. And I think it has the possibility, if like given enough time, to be a good game. So I would definitely recommend checking it out it's like 6.99 or something on steam uh let alone the fact that we're giving it away to somebody by the time that this comes out so definitely uh check it out in existence rebirth by jonathan brassad i don't know if i said that correctly but please check it out um and then the other game i played is uh if found like i said by Dreamfield. of course we're doing a giveaway make sure you check out our twitter at indiepod super easy to find that's why we named the show that mm-hmm. um and so this game is a visual novel for the most part i mean i feel like visual novel is conflated in a different way in depending on like who exactly made it um so this is like uh typically what i would think of as a visual novel would be like um Something like Danganronpa or like uh, I I haven't played a lot. I haven't actually I shouldn't say a lot. I haven't played the Ace Attorney games, but those always kind of remind me of visual novels. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they typically have like little bits of puzzles put inside of them as well as just kind of like going through the story. This doesn't have that. So if found is mostly just like it's in. Uh, quote-unquote interactive story where you go through the game and it's just about experiencing this this tale of um i i i don't want to say exactly because i don't want to get anything wrong so you play uh you play a character who is um his mom or i should say their mom because i don't exactly know their mom says uh that they are alternative which I haven't gotten to the the part in the story yet where exactly it says like what their mom meant by that. Um, yeah, but it's it, 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 the story of an individual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I don't want to say whether they like were trans or not because I I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. so I didn't like really want to say specifically, but I thought it was weird that they were like alternative, uh, that the mom said alternative. I thought that was odd, but, um, it actually takes like place in a bunch of different ways. So I thought it was really cool. The way that the story plays out is you start out and it's this weird, like interstellar esque story where you play like Cassio, who's the the main character, or I think the last name is fully like Cassiopeia, um, but goes by Cassio and it is like you are seemingly entering a black hole or this like possibly manufactured black hole because you have to get some readings otherwise it's a detriment to all life on the planet earth and you are kind of like seemingly giving up your life to save everyone on earth which i thought was really cool because it's like straight up interstellar shit and i fucking loved interstellar so i was like hell yeah and i started playing and it got really interesting uh the main gameplay mechanic is literally just erasing stuff and i'm not joking like you just your mouse is an eraser and you just click and you erase the screen that's it that's literally all you do and then sometimes when people talk you click and then it just goes to the next line of dialogue so this like i said it's not really a game um but it is yeah it's an experience it's just a way to experience a story in a different way which i actually really enjoyed because like it's not like i just read this book um instead it's like i get 
I get to kind of uncover the story myself. And I get to, uh, like, it has a lot of great audio cues. Like, when it rains, it's got this really nice, like, um, like raining sound, obviously. It's like most games have that. But um, <laughs> I... Yeah, if it's raining, it's raining. Um, but I really enjoy that. And it's a great way to experience a story. But like I said, there's like multiple planes. So you have that, which seems to be in the future of Cassio's life. And then it moves to the past, which is like, it's all told within this kind of diary-esque format where you're just like erasing your past, essentially. Um <laughs> So you pop up and it's like a diary and it's all scribbled out and all sorts of stuff. And you go through and you erase sections of it, which kind of like, I will say, I thought that the erase mechanic was cool in the beginning, but it eventually graded on me because at times I would try to erase and it wouldn't work. And then I'd let go and try to erase and it wouldn't work. And then I tried again and then it worked. And I was like, what the fuck? What? Okay. Um, yeah, it was just weird. And then like, it kind of just got old because you have to erase everything on the screen before you can advance. So I was like, that's kind of annoying. And like, I, yeah. And I would like, I would want to read stuff and like in the, in this diary, uh, Cassio's diary, you'd have like pictures or sections of words that would be scribbled over, which you have to like erase the thing that's scribbled on. Mm -hmm. Like you erase the scribbles and then you can read what's underneath, which I thought was cool. Yeah. But sometimes like, I would erase and then like it wouldn't go. It would have that thing where like erase, it wouldn't go, erase, and it wouldn't go, erase, and it goes. And it's like, okay, cool. But then I would accidentally erase part of the story. And then I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is happening? Um, so that kind of sucked because there was a few times where like I had to just somewhat interpret what exactly it said because I couldn't read the entire thing because I accidentally erased it. Um, there might be a way to like unerase. I don't know. Um, yeah, sadly, I have not seen a pencil yet, so you never know. Um, but it is a really kind of like heartwarming story and it's all like, I think based in Ireland, which makes it kind of weird because like recently I watched normal people on Hulu based on, uh, based on a novel and I have yet to read the novel. I bought it because I thought the Hulu series was fantastic and I would recommend everyone watch it, but it is like a love story between two super antisocial and awkward people in Ireland. And like when you watch something, like you watch this TV show, you kind of like understand through context what exactly certain slang terms mean because they don't translate to English. So they would say like, bruv. And I'm like, does that mean like brother? Does that mean like this or that? Or like that one is kind of obvious, but there are other ones that are a little bit harder to like, I guess in a way decrypt. Whereas like in a TV format, I understand it out of context, but written down, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So there was like a few times while playing that they would say something. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, I, there was just like a little bit of a disconnect and like that little bit of like a kind of like a cultural barrier, I would say. Um, but otherwise I think it's a really heartwarming story of like a person kind of finding themselves and it's like, it has several like, uh, LGBTQ characters. I think the art style is very, very good and it's very pretty. Um, I very much enjoy it also. 
Another detriment with the erase mechanic is sometimes you'd erase and it would just be the same picture underneath, but in a different color. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's so annoying. And then I'd have to erase that same thing, erase that. Then there's the story. And I'm like, why, why so many layers? I didn't need to see the rain in four different colors before I finally got to the house. That's unnecessary. But ultimately, I think it's really cool. And I would recommend people check it out. If you don't, if you're looking for something that's gameplay heavy, obviously, it's not going to be for you. But if you want a cool story, I would definitely like recommend just looking at it, uh, seeing if it's your kind of a deal. Um, the art style, I think, is really good. Uh, so... Yeah, I'd recommend it. And of course, we're going to be doing a giveaway for it. So if you don't want to pay for it, go to IndiePod on Twitter and participate in the giveaway and possibly you will get it. Um, but yeah, those are the games I've been playing. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, it's not one of the ones that I've been kind of eyeing and want to try. I really like the erasing camp. I found it to be very interesting, especially with the story, like how it... I love games that are able to use like a unique mechanic in a way that depicts what's happening from the story perspective. And I think, uh, especially just in these times, we need more stories that are like that. Um, but that being said, like, you know, uh, you gotta follow us and maybe a little topic to check it out for yourself. Exactly. And I think it's actually, like, let me look real quick. I don't think it costs that much. So, the uh if you want like if you don't win the giveaway it's 12.99 um i mean that might be pretty high for like a visual novel or like an adventure game depending on who you are but i think the art style itself is pretty worth it i think it's very very pretty uh dreamfield did a great job it's like doodle-esque um it reminds me a lot of florence but then florence also had like uh like more puzzles and stuff like that whereas if found does not um but yeah i i would recommend people at least go to the steam page check it out see if you'd like it go to our uh twitter page enter the giveaway you could also see if you like it that way um but we are about an hour into this podcast so i think it's time we get to the news our first news article is over on GameSpot, uh written by jordan ramey ramey maybe i don't know uh and it's <laughs> katana zero stories will wrap up in something else later on says dev uh katana zero lead justin stander um has confirmed that dlc content is coming to the 2d action platformer however stander added that katana zero's dlc won't be addressing all of the questions that the story cliffhanger or stories cliffhanger ending raises those will be wrapped up in something else later on i definitely have future plans for katana zero standard said according to gamesindustry.biz uh the dlc is not going to be the complete story the current plan is uh it wraps uh it's oh it's going to wrap up a few of the smaller things uh answer a few bigger fan questions and uh give a little more insight into the world uh but it's not going to wrap up the story the story is going to be wrapped up in something else later on that i haven't really touched um touched base on with anybody yet but it's all been planned out since the beginning it's not a make it up as we go along sort of thing it uh thing like lost or i like how he says like lost or something <laughs> like lost or something i mean 
just an apt comparison to a make it up as you go thing. <laughs> so I get it. Um, standard continued. Uh, it's all been very meticulously planned. The thing is, I don't want to cut any uh, any of the really good ideas I had. Uh, Katana Zero is essentially a big buildup for everything that's going to happen later on. Um, that's mostly it. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I think this straight up like just points to a sequel. Let's be real. Well, yeah, I, for sure. Yeah, I don't know why you'd say something else later on. Like You said it's not going to be in dlc i get you like it could be said that you said in this dlc mm -hmm. but it's definitely a sequel mm -hmm. so yeah i would assume and i'd be like even without the idea of dlc with the way it ended like first off i haven't played it but i've heard so much about the ending being like a, a letdown and not they're definitely just kind of ended it like but that being said with all of that i would be so shocked if they weren't coming out with Katana Zero 2. Or, I guess, Katana 1, maybe, if they want to be, uh, you know, meta about it. This is a Horizon Zero Dawn situation yeah. where they're like, what are they going to call the next one? <laughs> um, I think it's interesting that you said that you heard it was kind of like people didn't appreciate the cliffhanger ending, where I'm like, I've heard people say that it was kind of, like, really cool that yeah. they did that like they actually enjoyed the cliffhanger ending which i think is pretty crazy like i didn't get too far into katana zero we talked about it on our indie game of the year mm -hmm. um i thought it was like really fun um but i didn't actually beat the game so yeah mm -hmm. i couldn't tell you about the cliffhanger but i don't even know what the cliffhanger which then like what does that even address i had no idea no, not even a little bit so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, maybe I'm using the wrong words for the wrong terminology for people being upset about the ending. I don't think it's it's not as much upset as it was. People definitely knew that there was more to the story than what was given. You know what I mean? Like, they, there was a chunk missing. It kind of just ended, and they were like, okay, well, what comes next? <laughs> yeah, I mean, also probably are a few people upset about it so <laughs> i mean yeah maybe i mean people are upset about anything so you're always gonna have at least one or hundreds of people who are pissed off yeah, I mean, cliffhangers are kind of a touchy subject with most people. Like, it's cool to have a cliffhanger, but most people are like, just fucking answer the question, dude. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it also depends. Like, if we know that a Katana Zero 2 is coming and it, that cliffhanger happens, I think that's more acceptable because then it's like, hey, it's coming, but you just gotta wait. As opposed to it just ending and the guy or, you know, the team could have just been like, oh, that's it. Like, Honestly, movie. Yeah, the the only issue that I have with like uh like kind of I guess quote unquote cliffhangers or like um just starting off a series and not answering like all the questions like let's say um in like specifically in the anime ReZero. I've talked about this with a couple different people including Jason from Parallax and the In from Japan podcast. Make sure you guys check that one out. Um hosted by uh Jason and uh Errol as well. Um I haven't checked it out recently. But I'm excited to because they, they up their audio quality and it seems like they've got a really good rhythm. They've had a lot of cool guests on yeah. um, like Michael Hyam from GameSpot. So I think that's really cool. But I, I was talking to him about it and I finished ReZero and I didn't have an issue with it like not 
answering everything within the first season because they plan on doing a sequel season and like i think that's awesome the issue i had was raising questions like two episodes before the like season's end Mm -hmm. i was like why why still give us questions you're just like fucking with me at this point like, I don't understand. I already had this gigantic question of why this a-hole kind of garbage main character that often pissed me off. I He's not garbage. I just thought he was, like, he was annoying. But um, why exactly he's in this world and what the F is going on? And then it's like, fucking Puck is gigantic and he's going to obliterate the world. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I don't know what's happening. I, I hope that's not a spoiler. Yeah, I mean, I hope that's not a spoiler for anybody. It shouldn't be because I feel like that was exceptionally vague. But, yeah, they fucking started giving you more questions to answer and it was just annoying. And I'm like, this is like, I swear, this is like the anime equivalent of blue balls. Like, it's really pissing me off at this point. But, yeah, a Katana Zero sequel is all but assured. Um, but you know what's not assured? And I feel like that's a bad segue, especially because it's kind of depressing, but I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> GameSpot, written by Eddie Mukuch. I don't know, maybe. Um, says Dragon Age writer David Gators, uh, new game is facing tough times. Dragon Age writer David Gators, new game, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it seems like they just reiterated the first part there. Uh Chorus, a musical adventure game, is going through some tough times right now due to the impact of COVID-19 of the COVID-19 crisis. In a post on the game's fig page, uh, the developer said that the global pandemic has led to a loss of productivity, inevitable delays, and many difficult days. Overall, however, the developers at Summerfall Studios say that Chorus is fine and progressing as well as can be expected. Three members of the Chorus development team have either contracted the coronavirus or been tested for it the studio said which i think is weird that they said or been tested for it yeah i, I, mean, <laughs> I guess it, like did they were they okay <laughs> did they yeah know? were they sick or did they just go get tested like what's up yeah, like I mean, i'm yeah i just feel it's odd to include that after you're like literally people had it and then there's yeah. like others just I, they thought they had it. So one there you is go. clearly more impactful than the others. <laughs> um, almost all of us have been through mandatory isolation periods. Uh, the rest of the time, we've been self-isolating due to our part in helping stop the spread, and still are. The statement reads: uh, In March, the team at Summerfall conducted art tests for the second chapter of Chorus to determine how long it would take to create art at a viable quality level. Information from these tests would be used to determine the game's wider scope and timeline. However, the COVID-19 pandemic upended plans. Unfortunately, the world uh, the world fell apart. That's so true. Have yeah. you seen all the memes that are just like everything's going on? And then uh, I think it was one of them is like um, Hurricane, what's its name? Like sitting in the rafters waiting to strike yeah. or something like that. It's, or like. It's going to happen, man. Hurricane season <laughs> Or freaking Ebola just came back. What? What else did go wrong? The best one I saw that was like, it was like 
technically when we switched from our like from the gregorian calendar to whatever kind of like calendars we use now we lost eight years so in a way it is 2012 and people are like oh shit no uh, <laughs> uh so yeah unfortunately the world fell apart and all of the data we'd been collecting on how long things would take wasn't really usable anymore the studio said the art looks spectacular though uh, we learned so much and we were able to massively improve our art pipelines so it wasn't all for naught. i do enjoy that little bit of like kind of levity and like uh, kind of like making lemonade out of lemons right. like it's it's nice that they still Looked at the bright side and all that. Um, Seriously, shit's going down. Uh, The world kind of blows. So Uh no big deal. Um, Also, a meme was like, what? I forget who it was, but said that the uh, the people who just like launched into outer space had the right idea. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was uh, Andy Milanakis or something like that. Chase was showing me it today. Yeah fantastic spot on um also in the blog post summerfall spoke about the effort to raise more funding for the game the game was partially funded on fig with six hundred ninety thousand seventy nine us dollars coming in and additional funding support from the australian federal government the team at summerfall want to expand the scope of course is of course further and are looking to raise more money to help realize this vision but it's Uh, It hasn't been easy. Um, One of the realities we're having to confront is that the process of trying to find additional funding is much more difficult than usual, the studio says. In terms of project delays, Summerfall confirmed that the voiceover recording sessions are being delayed. This is a problem that lots of games face. Often, VO and performance is the... Uh, is a late addition to a project and the later it comes the less it can influence the game itself the update said uh, ever watched a scene where the mood of the animation and yeah the mood of the animation and the mood of the vo doesn't seem to match up well that's often why uh, yeah i thought so too um, right now, Summerfall is working on creating a playable version of Chorus featuring uh, sketches instead of final art, uh, essentially a playable storyboard. Uh, it will have all of the dialogue areas in the game, etc. Uh, the only thing it will likely not fully include are all of the songs as they won't be ready uh, at the time. We really be stubbed. version. Yep, yep, yep. Um... I want to get to the part that's really fucking weird. Um, so they said that they might have to delay it beyond uh, Q4 2021, which was their initial release date. The weirdest part, I think, is this one. Is in other difficult news for course, the developers said that the internet banking company PayPal is withholding 25% of the game's FIG funding, or around 1700 or. $172,500. PayPal is withholding the money because of the risks involved with a crowdfunding project of this nature during this uncertain time. And then uh, Summer Summerfall said, uh, we understand their viewpoint, but given we need the money to complete the project, it doesn't make things, uh, it makes things a little awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, the developer said that there is not much that they can do about PayPal's decision, but the studio plans to ask for a review uh, from the banking company. What? I know. That's PayPal's so just holding on to their money? They're just like, we know that these are risky. And they're like, so did the fucking people who gave us money. What? I, 
don't know, it seems really strange. I, I don't understand that at all, but it's a lot of it. But no, no, no money. And I mean, I guess it's, it's a consideration of uh, you generally have holds on full amount, certain amounts of cash, like within a small period of time. But like, it also depends on what you're using them for. If you're doing direct, you know, pay the certain services that you need for that money, I don't see why they hold on to that. I don't even see why PayPal is keeping that at all. Yeah, I mean, uh, once I again, I'm an idiot. Yeah, I'm I'm an idiot, but I I literally cannot comprehend the fact that PayPal's like we're gonna hold on to twenty five percent. You're like, why? What? Like mm-hmm. I have money and PayPal right now, and if they were like we're gonna hold on to twenty five percent, I'd be like, no. I have a little bit more than that, but yeah, yeah. Can't have my two bucks. But like, it's fucking whole, so weird. Are they keeping a whole like like amount in PayPal? Like why isn't that something like a different thing? Are they just using PayPal fees? I mean, Summerfall said they understood it. I don't I don't get it. It doesn't <laughs> yeah, make any would, sense to I me. I wish they would have gone a little bit deeper into that part, but it's, especially um, because their justification is like it's risky. No fucking shit. Everything is, dude. I can fucking right I could take two steps out my door, get a, a contract a virus, and die. Like everything's risky right now. Why are you keeping them from something that they literally like? People gave to them. They were like, "Yes, your product is worthy of my money," but then PayPal's like, "Nah." That's not that worth it. Yeah, there's it's just a weird justification. One thing that I do something very interesting. Not from a, a shitty perspective like that, but I really like the playable storyboard in the video. I I think that's the, cool, but I felt like a large draw of the game was the like the musical kind of a deal. So like it not having the songs is kind of weird. I I understand like oh here's something that's actually understandable. I understand why they can't include it because right. it's something they have to do later on. But I think it'll just be weird. Yeah, but there's other elements to that game. Like, it's not just going to be song after song. There's going to be certain dialogue options, you know, parts that people can QA, people can go through and make sure that all of those pieces go together so that kind of cookie cutter, once they're done with that and able to do the voiceover and the actual animations to that, they can just chunk them in where it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of just like a, a template. Like they can see how everything goes. Yeah. Um, that, that definitely makes sense. I, something I didn't understand about the storyboard is, are they planning to share that with anyone or is they, are they just like making that for their own use? Yeah. That's most likely just internal. It would be interesting to see things like that and what that looks like, but I would be very surprised if they tried to beta that or alpha that other people outside of their own internal walls. Okay, yeah, that that's what I meant by I found it odd that they wouldn't include the songs, but if it's just for internal use, it definitely makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's it's like it's doing a rough out. sketch before... Yeah, it's yeah. like doing a rough sketch before a final sketch. It just makes sense. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that they would have any plans to release this, because there would be no point. You know, you can beta in something that doesn't really make sense without the actual song I think there there are parts that would make sense for you to do kind of an alpha or a bit of this game, but it would probably be something more to the lines of, hey, 
here's the first chunk of dialogue and the first two songs in here that you can play through. And this is the beta of what it looked like, give us feedback, X, Y, you know, things like that. But this seems more like an internal project of, hey, we can't get things in the right time that we thought we were going to, so let's use this as an alternative to actually test things and move the project forward, even though we can't do it in the manner that we yeah, uh, the only reason I thought that they might give it out to people or something was because I didn't know if it was going, if it was like a like a fig, like a backer thing, yeah, that's true. where they were like, oh. oh, you get access to an early build of the game, like something like that. But um, right. I I don't believe so. We looked at it way back when when it was actually on fig and it was really cool. Uh, so I I hope things go well with this game because I think the concept was actually really interesting. Right. Um. And I'm not into musicals, but if it's got great music, I'll play this game. Also, super weird thing. I've been meaning to bring this up for literally months, but I keep forgetting to. No one has seemingly reported on this, at least as far as I've seen. The Florence like soundtrack was taken off Spotify for some reason, and I literally don't know why. It's just not there like i had a bunch of like after playing florence i loved it so much that i added a bunch of the like tracks to my like spotify playlist and then i realized that like they were never playing mm-hmm. and i thought it was just like my spotify playlist being annoying but then when i checked it on my desktop i was like they're literally blanked out like they're no longer available and i don't know why i found it so odd maybe i'll give you an update next week and be like nah they're there for just some reason they didn't work but <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I uh, Speaking of an update, though, over on Twinfinite, uh, written by Alex Gibson, we got an update on BitSummit for June. Uh, this is, of course, BitSummit Gaiden, the uh, digital showcase. We got a, some sweet details. Of course, um, you can go to their website to apparently get the full list, but they announced 75 games that are going to be at this. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Including, like, they also have, uh, down here it says, uh, further thanks to their partnership with, um, Utomik? Utomik? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) During the event, attendees will have access to over a thousand games free of charge between June 26th and July 10th, or 11th. That's outrageous. That's a lot. That is a lot. Good amount of games, I also thought it was cool the way that they're uh, obviously I'm not going to like go through this article because I feel like a lot of the information just doesn't really need to be said. Um, but <laughs> I I think it's cool the way that they're going to structure this event is that they're kind of like chunking things out based on these weird heroes that they had created right. and they're like putting like certain games are associated with certain heroes i think it's kind of cool it's like a weird marketing technique it's super interesting i just don't understand it. like so bit robots bit riders bit rangers bit samurai and bit Titan. i understand why the, the like heroes are the names that they are but like what is the the market like i don't see the specific Yeah, I don't really get it either. I think it's weird. I think it's cool, but I think it's weird. Um, I do like some of the games that they're apparently going to be talking about. Like, uh, in the Wholesome Direct, we saw... Well, actually, I had, like 
this on my Steam wishlist for a while, but on the Wholesome Direct, they had a space for the Unbound, and they're also going to have it uh, during like Bit Summit Gaiden. <laughs> I think that is really cool. Uh, Chicory is also going to be included in it. I I don't know if it's going to like show anything extra. That's I just think I it's cool. Like, how much more are we going to get to see? Are we actually seeing something different, or are these the same? You know, because there are a couple of agreements from things that were in the Wholesome Direct, so. I'm interested to see how much more is really shown here, or if it's going to be one of those just the same kind of trailers that we saw before. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of interested about uh, interested in that too. There are also games like um, like Metal Unit, which I had talked about a while ago, and it's in early access. And I'm wondering if that's going to be like a possible announcement of like a, a release date or something. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think you'll check out Bit Summit Gaiden? Um, I think we talked about this. Yeah, it's on a Saturday. This is one of the things because it's on a Saturday, I'll probably be more inclined to actually see it because I won't be at work. Um, but it also just depends if I need. Yeah, it looks like the the weekend of of the June 27th through the 28th is look is what it looks like. I don't see why I wouldn't, though, because there's a lot of, like, looking at the actual list of games, there's a lot of interesting ones out there that I wouldn't mind checking out just to see how much more they're giving us um, from those that have already been shown. And there's other ones that just look interesting. There's one that's called, like, Lo-Fi Game, where it's about creating your own like, Lo-Fi music, and I'm super into that idea. Yeah, that is kind of cool. I'm I'm getting super into the lo-fi hip hop jams. Ah, so good. so good. There's also boyfriend dungeon. Like it's such an interesting game because anytime I look at it, I'm always like, I have no interest in this boyfriend aspect part. But the actual dungeon crawling part looks fun. I'm just saying, I'm feeling really attacked here. Um everyone is super in to boyfriend dungeon, but when I bring up Princess and Conquest, I'm somehow weird. Okay? <laughs> basically the same game okay I don't i'm sorry think that's true at all <laughs> you mean you don't have sex with these weapons and then the dungeons are inside of them oh man mate yep i i think you made your point they're not the same okay, not, not the same better. but you know what it's time for news clip <laughs> It's always good. Uh, News Cram is our weekly wrap-up segment. We, the hosts of IndiePod and Indie Games Podcast, cram you full of all sorts of Indie Games news. Uh, We don't have any quick news stories. We do have one new deal in Quick Steel and a bunch of new stuff. Uh, So, our first and only uh, new deal in Quick Steel comes from way of GameSpot, where it's reported that comedic vandalism game, I honestly don't know how to explain this game, so that was my attempt at it. Uh, Sludge Life by Terry Vellman uh, is currently free on the Epic Game Store. In the article in GameSpot, they said it's going to be free for the next 12 months. And I was like, that nope. sounds excessive. So I don't believe that. Um, this is actually kind of something where we're just people. This is already gone. Is it really? Yeah, it was only for one day. And it was like, the last time we recorded i don't think so i was just on the epic game store and it was free yeah i'm on the epic game store right now free oh shit well 
Maybe it is free for the next 12 months. No, maybe. Originally, there was something about this being only Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, it is. No, yeah. Sale ends 5-28-2021 at 9 a.m. Whoa. Wow. Holy shit. This game's free for an entire year? It's coming to Nintendo Switch. What is... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I picked it up. <laughs> I'm going to too now. I mean, it's free for for an entire year. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> uh, on to some new stuff. Our first two items in new stuff come by way of Nintendo Life, where it's reported that simulation game Summer in Mara by Chibig is headed to the Nintendo Switch and PC via Steam on June 16th, and the 2D Metroidvania Out Buddies by Julian LeFeu is headed to the Nintendo Switch sometime soon. Uh, now over on Twinfinite, where it's reported that 2D action platformer Skell Attack by... Ukuza, maybe, Inc., uh, was just shadow-dropped on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC, and will cost around $19.99. You're very right. The game looks dope. Um, and that horror adventure game, Sense, by Sazaku, is officially coming to PlayStation 4, That's Xbox One. Doing this, uh, <laughs> podcast with you. It's just having to sit here and listen well, Big Josh Boy, it's also coming to PS Vita, Nintendo Switch, and PC sometime this August. I don't know. Like, it, dude, it's apparently, like, still popular in the future if The Last of Us is to be, uh, like, it is, like, a future-telling device. I don't know. So suck it, Okay. <laughs> People need something to play when the cordyceps fungus has invaded the entire world and everything sucks even more than it does right now, all right? That's so true. It's such a weird thing to include that in your trailer. I don't know. The Vita's dead and so is that chick. Now it's time to go over to God Bless the Crowd. This is where the biggest of average Josh boys hops into all sorts of crowdfunding sites and we talk about it. Uh, I skipped over the whole we've been blessed thing yeah, because let's just talk about dead people instead. Uh, we're over on uh, Kickstarter where um, I realize this. Yeah, we've, we've got the two. So uh, let's go with the one that you have. And then we will end with the uh, the one that we got from a friend at Parallax. So the first one is Go Fight Fantastic, a 3D action adventure uh, game, I guess. Um, a super vibrant co-op adventure game where each player has a unique set of skills. Uh, work together to uncover any and all challenges. They are looking for $10,761. They currently have 2217 with 45 backers and 27 days left to go. And uh, to get in, you have to pay approximately 16 US dollars. But then the Kickstarter thing says about 17, so I feel lied to. But <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this, Big Josh Boy? It actually looks really cool. I, I don't understand. It always it seems very strange to me that people make games where they're like, three people. That's the right number. And like, no, it's four. But anyway. Okay. I don't understand the three people thing because then there's a picture say there's a picture and a little thing where it says that there's four. Mm -hmm. the three there's four. Yeah, I don't know. 
The main story of the game centers around a small mercenary slash smuggler crew of four humans and their space dog captain. Yeah, so they do Where's say the in it that you'll eventually have five playable characters, like characters you can pick from, but it's only three people can play at a time. So what? That's so weird. Yeah, I know it is very strange. But games do this, like or the king does this, and it's always strange because I want to play it with the other three people that I always play games with, and I'm like, well, unless one of us leaves, we just won't play that game, or someone will just not play it. Like, so it, it is a little strange with that, just because normally the norm is four, but I don't know, maybe there's people out there who only have two friends and play this game. Uh, regardless, it does look a lot of fun, uh, like a lot of fun. It um, feels very Diablo-esque, but more cartoony. I'm really enjoying the actual visuals to this, how it's cartoony, hand-drawn style. Um, you have a lot of characters with flashing abilities that are slashing and jumping around certain enemies. Um, I'm not sure how, you know, how far the actual skill tree goes in this game. It looks like you have a general four buttons to press and those are your skills, but it, it looks like you can change those abilities to change up your class depending on how you want to play. So I do like that aspect of it. Um, and then they also have additional challenges and, and difficulty levels to up the ante and kind of give you little challenges to play as a team. Like I, I love this one if there's uh, constant uh, health pool draining throughout the level or having shared health, health pool. So if you have that one friend who sucks at the game, you have to do <laughs> better because you're like, oh, we really got to carry this guy. So like, I, do, I do like this. I think that it could be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know how far it goes as far as uh, the actual story to it. Like, what I mean by that is this, the actual campaign, what that will look like. Because they do also emphasize uh, an arena mode. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping for more of a story-based campaign in this game. But that being said, it still just looks like a lot of fun to jump into a battle with different characters and customize the abilities you have and find out you know, what works best for you, and I'm sure there's a bunch of different things, and what works best for certain enemy types. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it looks pretty interesting. I would say that, you know, $17 for this might be high for some, but I think from what I've seen, at least, if there's more like it, then it would be worth it. I think it's interesting that you compared it to Diablo because I was actually thinking it looks a lot like Gauntlet, how you choose a character and you're kind of like your combat style is specified by said character. So you have like the striker, the tank and the healer. I thought it was much more like Gauntlet and it seems like the fourth person is like possibly some sort of blood mage. I honestly don't know. Like in the character's picture, her arms are like torn apart and there's blood everywhere. So. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I don't know. That's interesting. Maybe. And maybe it's some weird kind of sadist uh, character. I, I don't really know. I, I do agree with you. It is more gauntlet than Diablo. That was more of this hack and slash abilities were kind of my, my uh, idea for Diablo. But gauntlet definitely uh, does fit a bit more at home if you're a fan of that. Yeah, and I think um, this like the specialty classes for characters i think is really cool i could see that getting somewhat annoying because just like when you'd play like any other game like if you can't pick the same character it would suck to like not want to be the healer but get stuck being a healer well, no, uh, it looks like it looks like that's not the case because 
or maybe I'm just wrong. Can two people play the same one? I'm not seeing it in the actual images, but if you scroll down to like the challenges area, there's a section that says everyone plays the tank, everyone plays the striker, everyone. So like I think, you know, maybe it's 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 more on well everyone can play it or they have to disperse. I don't know, but having that as an option makes me think that you know maybe you could have the, the different classes. The good thing about that is I wouldn't really care because I always like tank healer. Yeah, you were super stoked about that RPG that forces you to play as a healer. Yeah, I need to, I need to look that <laughs> into that. I definitely want to know what the status is. I think it's out. It? I saw oh, it on I Steam. I don't know. There's something about being the, the, the support for the healer. It's not a lot of people who are doing yeah, it is kind of interesting. I also think something I think is really cool about this game is the customizable difficulty levels where you can adjust like your player health, player damage, enemy health, enemy damage, enemy aggression, and enemy movement speed. I think that's really cool mm-hmm. um, where you can like like adjust specific things. So like maybe you want a more bullet spongy-esque enemy so you mm-hmm. increase their health a bunch but they do less damage. Like I... I think that's kind of cool. Uh, the ability to just like adjust a game's difficulty and like uh, entirely customize it. I think that's very, very cool. It kind of reminds like it's obviously not one to one. It's not even really a comparison, but it reminds me a lot of like Jedi Fallen Order's difficulty levels and how it told you specifically what changed between the different levels. I thought that was really cool. Um, and also General Poi and her pet. Uh, monster froggy look fucking dope i really like them i think they look sweet so that's all i have to say this game looks pretty cool yeah i mean i think this is definitely one to keep an eye on um if you are a fan of games, you know 17 bucks isn't too many world for some people and there's others but like that's fine um if you do have it it sounds good i would say check I mean, it also should be said, I guess this is the last thing I want to say. $17 doesn't just get you the game. It also gets you like a wallpaper credits and like special uh, benefactor role in the discord. But it also gives you something that I really wanted when Frozen Flame came up, which is it gives you unlimited closed beta access, which I think is super freaking dope. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of Kickstarters will generally put that to the higher tier. So like the next one, which is $27. You normally see a Kickstarter be like, hey, you can just have the game if you want to give us like the base of $17. But if you want to actually play the beta or the alpha, give us $10 more or $20 more, and you'll have access to the entire process. So it is nice to see when they do that just from the get go. And I think it does make sense because it's better for their sake. Like I know they, they might get extra money for those people who really want it, but it's better for their sake because the more people you have in here, the more. You know, overkill to testing the game you're going to have without actually having to hire. And granted, you should have some people doing it today, but like from an external perspective, you're going to get a lot of feedback having more people in earlier than later. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, so let's move on to our second game in God Bless the Crowd. Now, I should say, take this with a grain of salt, whatever we say, because this was suggested by a friend of ours, um, Sora that does stuff for parallax media his wife apparently worked on this game so yeah like i said take it with a grain of salt but they are very they're 
I guess, close-ish to their goal. Um, so this game is called The Last Crystal. It's a co-op adventure, um, the puzzle-slash-action-adventure game for one to two players, uh, one or two players. Um, they are looking for $11,109. They currently have 6957 with 98 backers and eight days left. So if this sounds good to you, I posted a link already on our Twitter, but I will do it again um, as a reminder for these God bless the crowd mm-hmm. uh, things that I do every Thursdays. Um, I post those reminders. Make sure you hop on here and you check it out if it sounds good and possibly donate to them or like back them, not donate because you don't donate. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you can if you want to. You can accept nothing. That's true. Yeah. Um. But do it quickly because this will soon be up. Um, but this game looks really interesting. Um, I think, like like I said on Twitter, I think the really collaborative nature of it where like it seems like certain puzzles like at times would require you to have two people. I think that's very cool. I could see it being really annoying, but... As an abstract idea, I think it's very interesting. Uh, similar to like how you played that game, um, what is it, uh, Separate Degrees or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was the one where you played as like the Ice Boy and the the Fire Girl, and oh, I kept oh, saying Sharp Boy and Lava Girl. Yeah. Um, degrees of Separation? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, it reminded me about how you like talked about that, how like uh, puzzles were based on like the two different characters and stuff like that. Yeah. I like this gameplay reminds me a little bit of that, but uh, what what do you think about The Last Crystal? Yeah, so um, I talked about a game that's actually quite similar to this, but more on a four player perspective. I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, um, if you remember the force. The, the game is comprised of having four characters and a main objective, which is like this orb that each person can kind of bounce back each other through puzzles and this feels very on that same level i do like that it's more scaled back to specific two players because you have a lot of back and forth with what each one of those character abilities can do and play more into the actual puzzles rather than just having four bounce back between multiple characters that being said they even have a mechanic in this that seems very uh similar where it looks like a you know a magic orb going back between them i don't know exactly where it is i'm seeing that from the video but I do like that they have, you know, one character that has a specific shield. So you can see in the video or in some of the screenshots, there's a number of areas where arrows are shooting. And so one person has to be the, the, the blocker and be like, okay, I'm going to get in front of these arrows and follow behind me. Whereas I'm sure there's been other sections where they have a specific ability that they have to use to, to get further into the game and progress through, where they have to use their abilities in a clever way or you know, in a smart way to help each other. I really enjoy that and I, I do like, even though, so this is the kind of thing where I think we as a weird thing just because, you know, the whole third wheel kind of idea. I do enjoy games where it's just two people because I I love the experience where you're able to just sit with a friend and go back and forth and be able to go through an actual puzzle or go through an experience together because there's just that camaraderie and especially now in times where you're kind of stuck at home and you don't have any you know, accessibility to actually see people for the most part, it's nice to have you like me where you can sit down with you know, your best friend or someone who you know, means a lot to you or someone who doesn't and you're just trying to make friendship for the time or whatever. You're able to connect with them in that way. 
right? I think things like this are definitely very important. Um, that being said, I don't know how much I would like to combat through it. It does feel a little, um, how to put this first? Some of the attack animations seem very static, if that makes sense, which is a little annoying to me, but I think that's just the way this art style is. Um, but that's not to say anything bad about it. I do like the art style. I just don't know how combat will feel, because I think this makes sense with the way they're drawn to be more easy. But based in the 3D world, I can see this getting a little bit harder for me to just uh, be able to kind of figure my way out around it. So if that's the case, like, in, in that way. Regardless, I'm kind of just imagining it. But like, you know what I mean? When you're playing one of those brawlers for like the Kingdom Up game. Yeah, yeah, no, I get depth perception. Kind of, well, no, I know that. But I'm just saying, like, you kind of don't know where you're actually at. Like, I feel like that could be a good problem. Yeah, that's literally why I hate brawlers, is that exact thing. The Okay, so the thing you were talking about, that spirit orb thing, is actually, well, one, it is called the spirit orb, but two, it's, I guess, specifically for this weapon that they have in the game, which sounds kind of cool. It's called the Staff of Elements. Mm-hmm. Um, the Staff of Elements is, a, you, uh, is the ultimate weapon of friendship. Players can send an energy ball between two staves, and the energy ball will destroy everything in its path. Mm-hmm. Players start with the wind element, and and then they gain uh, like other elements further down the road watching like the gameplay of them using it is kind of cool because it also like can interact with the environment and be used to like hit levers and stuff like that which, um, which like i said is very similar to, to that game that i was talking about force so it, it does have that same feel which uh, if anyone played force and like that i think this would be very on the same point and i love that kind of puzzle mechanic while you're because like these kind of games are really good when they're crazy because some of the the ideas of you know having a balance between the two characters is like okay i know that you just want me to move this orb from one area to the next and and find out where we're supposed to stand but then on top of that you also have a bunch of enemies that are attacking and a bunch of things that are are happening where there's like time to do something because of maybe you know a wall around you or there's enemies attacking. And so you have to think of your feet and be like, oh, I gotta run over here. Use the orb. And you have to like communicate in the right way, otherwise you're gonna keep bouncing it back and forth in the wrong manner. And it's, these kind of things are a lot of fun. I could see this being uh, a really cool game to play with someone. Yeah, yeah, this one does look pretty cool. Also, you can like recruit pets, which is pretty interesting. Um, I don't know exactly how that works, but it looks kind of cool. Uh, but <laughs> That's pretty much all I have for this game. I also really enjoy the art style where it's like kind of the, I don't know, this mix between like cartoony, but also somewhat janky. Like it it looks weird. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it looks just flawed enough to where it kind of seems like it's on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't mean that in a mean way. It's very interesting. Uh, But do you have any final thoughts that you want to say about The Last Crystal? Um, the last thing I'll say is, if you are interested, the uh, the main tier to actually purchase the game is twelve dollars, which isn't that crazy to purchase. And then also, if you're interested in getting this for two people, because it is a uh, multiplayer game, you know, co-op game, uh, it's even cheaper. You can get two copies for the second tier up, which is nineteen US dollars, um, which I think is, is worth it. It's basically you know, ten bucks a game, and then you're able to go through this. 
Um, and also one thing, if you know, this sounds interesting that you don't have any friends, I think they do. They do make this in a way where you'll have an AI uh, companion who will play with you. So if you just want to do this by yourself, like, that's also an option, but I'm sure it's probably more recommended and a better time. And I guess uh, a last, like a parting thought on this one for me is that to prove your point about the typically they'd offer like beta access at higher tiers in this game, they actually do offer access to a closed beta, but it is the, uh, it's also a $19 tier. So you can either choose between the two codes or you get like beta access and some other stuff. So I think that's really cool. But yeah, that's that's it. Uh, not only for our God Bless the Crowd segment, but also for this podcast, since we don't have any audience questions. But <laughs> I feel like this is a good episode anyway. Uh, so, Big Josh Boy, of course the end of this episode thanks everyone so much for listening uh if you'd like to chat with us outside the show you can follow the podcast at indie pod on twitter make sure to follow there mostly for our uh specific updates for episodes we put out the question tweets uh i make sure to post links for the god bless the crowd picks and i have also been trying to anytime i see a super good deal i pop on there and i give some new deals and quick steals so Make sure you follow that. You can maybe find a deal. You can get updated on all sorts of awesome indie games and everything like that. You could chat with me outside the show at Hyde Legion. You could chat with Josh at the underscore George 90. Anything you're working on that you want to shout out with the exception of, I almost forgot, but you recently did an interview that I posted about on Twitter. I didn't forget this time, but I did forget to actually bring it up in the episode. That's okay. It was, it was, it was just nice to actually get the food out on time. So all is forgiven. Um, Got that tweet out early. Thank you very much. Oh, it was, oh. I was supposed to do it at 4.45. I did it like 3. Damn. So That's suck good. it. Yeah. What a, what a, <laughs> so good at that marketing stuff. Social media. Adequately does his job. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so yeah, I was able to talk to um, the main dev behind the Meteor Fall series, which is now up. Everyone should take a look at that or take a listen. I think it's one of the really good phrases. But honestly, it was a lot of fun. This interview is definitely one of my favorites. Uh, I really, really like that. Uh, the, the guy is super chill. Um, it was really interesting to find out that he is a basically solo dev. He has you know, other people on the team, but he's the main programmer behind all of this. And he's doing this as a part time thing where he normally has time position so kind of crazy to think about him running two games on his own and also working a day job fucking and i wouldn't be able to do that that's some serious time uh management skills on his part but uh we have a couple of other requests that are going out but i, I don't have any other um you know locked in interviews at the moment once again if you know anyone likes these interviews and in the mood for hearing more, uh, or want a specific developer, let me know, let Impod know, we'll reach out to them, uh, have them as well, just so it's forcing them to do it, oh, that's other people do want. Um, but yeah, I, I've been having a lot of fun with this, I hope you do more. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to listen to, I think his name is Eric Farrow or Ferrero? Ferrero, yeah. It was actually it okay. was a funny part of it because I keep doing this. I, I always say their name. Like, I think about it when I 
get the actual interview doc written up, and I'm like thinking of all the questions, and I'm like, okay, at this point, before I talk to them, I'm going to ask First question, what's their name? Their name? Now, I, I always <laughs> think about, like, okay, ask them how to say their name correctly, so I don't look like an ass, and I fuck it up in the first minute of the podcast. And so I always do this, and my, my go-to is always, and I'm here with Eric Ferrero, and I'm like, wait, did I say your name right? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> Did you tell him you hate card games? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it did come up. Uh, if you were there, I'm sure it would have. No. <laughs> I'd be like, did you know Big Joshua hates card games? Yeah. Okay, I've heard it multiple times. He's considering a tattoo. You'd be quite surprised based on my reaction. Yeah. That being said, <laughs> um... Yeah, it was a lot of fun to, to get more insight into what the game might be into uh, going out of early access, which is going to happen sometime soon, uh, once they include the last character. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it was a lot of fun, uh, and I hope to do more. Awesome. And of course, you could check out my other podcast, uh, Go Beyond a My Hair Academia podcast at Go Beyond Pod on Twitter. Um, if you're a fan of My Hair Academia, I feel like it's pretty good. So please check it out. Not to toot my own horn or rub my own nipples, I guess. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Well, it's starting off from the beginning. So I'm going to convert you into being a fan, oh, Big Josh Boy. Shit. What's up? It's time to love my hair academia, bitch. Jeez. Uh, that's it for this episode. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next week. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.